Hello, Hobbits. This is Daniel. In this episode, James teaches us how to podcast. He talks to us about a damn business, goat knives, machining, and flowers. We had to cut everything about extrusion because of sudden difficulty concentrating. I haven't done my homework yet, so hold on for that. Uh, it is a lively conversation, and thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Also, just a note at the beginning, I forgot to hit record, so... It's a little bit of a sudden start because you're joining in an ongoing conversation. My bad. Try to make sure that doesn't happen again. Thanks for listening. James, who are you and what are you doing on our podcast? Who am I? Who are any of us, Daniel? Yeah, I don't know. For me, that's the thing is, one, I don't want to update my resume. I hate updating resumes. It's the and worst. Two, and two, you you reach a point, I feel like, in every industry where you either have to make a big jump into, yeah, a, a much higher management level, mm-hmm. or you have to branch out on your own, kind of. At least in my industry, I feel like that's the case. Um, but yeah, anyways. Yeah, Kyle, I'm, good to see you. Good, good to see you, too. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for coming on. Hey, it's a pleasure. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, first-time talker. And that's, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, James and I have been having a good conversation. Um, Kyle. With the questions I sent out? No. Wait, did you send out questions? Yeah, did you? Well, it sounded like you guys were discussing the allure of entre- entrepreneurship. We oh, were a little bit. A little bit. We were talking about my job problems. They've gotten worse they have do you remember a little while back i was like i don't know how it can be possible for them to pay less to another company to pay me do you remember me talking about that yeah i've solved it you want to hear the solution yeah do you have a guess they just don't pay that's it anyway so we were talking about like i was talking about how part of me wants to work for myself because then at least i'm living or dying on my own i don't know whatever you know how much you're worth. Maybe you don't want that answer, though. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. Maybe, Maybe I do. do. Unlimited upside. That's right. So that actually reminds me a little while back. So so we talked about that ad, ad nauseum when we talked about Naval over and over and over. We've talked right. about Naval. Is that if you own your own... Has J- James, have you listened to Naval's how to, how to... How to be rich every episode? I don't... I don't believe so. Every episode, and so wait, is that his podcast is called that, or he's talking about how to? No, his his podcast is just called Naval, I think. So basically, what happened was he had this a bunch of tweets that he sent out about in this list of like 140 character sound bites on how to be rich, and then he did a podcast which was like a bunch of five minute riffs on each of those tweets. And then he put that into a whole long episode. So you're, I don't know what percent, right? So he did, a, you know, have you listened to any of his more recent episodes? No, I've only listened to that one. So aside from his one that I think it's three plus hours, that yeah. episode, it's a combination of those five minute riffs but he had produced all of those previously on his podcast. He just 
concatenated them all into one episode. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or do you feel like that's yeah. exactly what you just said? I feel like that's the only thing I added was the Twitter piece. But <laughs> No, so, so what he did was over a period of a fairly long time, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, he tweeted and then he would talk about it and do a three-minute episode. And then right. after he was done, a year later, he just had his partner put them all together anyway um so now james has heard the same thing twice so uh, well i don't know if i have or not um but well, here let me explain it a third time third time's always <laughs> no, a james time. needs to explain it now <laughs> the point is i've zoned out long enough for you guys to fight through that and so now i'm just back for the facts of uh this, this episode <laughs> what so what was kyle's point about those uh you guys had talked uh over and over We've talked about Naval quite a bit, and it's both after listening. It's, I, I think, Kyle, you've listened to it at least once. Yeah. And I've listened to it two or three times. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, it, was this an evier, earlier podcast or more recent ones? Because I'm still like four or five behind. I'm ashamed to admit. We listened to this in 2020, so it's come okay. up frequently since then. then. Then the name is familiar in that case, yeah. Anyway, so uh, a buddy of mine wrote this on LinkedIn two months ago, and I pulled it because I thought it would be really interesting because we've talked about that unlimited upside. Cool. And is I don't know how this will dovetail into our conversation. Maybe it won't be, but here's here it is. Isaac Holmgren writes, uh, owning my own business is stressful, but the upside is unlimited. I disagree. Your upside is limited by the skills you have and their value to the market that you're serving. As it turns out, the right employer can be a great way to leverage that. What most people call upside is actually just risk. Risk that you picked the wrong market or the wrong time, risk of competition, risk of miscalculating your margins, risk of key employees leaving, risk that you didn't do your taxes right. Those higher risks may come with rewards if you have the skills and luck to navigate all of them. You might reap the benefits or you might pour your energy and time into a business that doesn't reward you in return. I've watched truly talented people struggle to get off the ground on their own and then make more impact and more money by joining a team that needed their expertise. Don't let the myth of unlimited upside hold you back. Focus on a place where your skills are highly valued. I can put this. I can't copy and paste it and put it in the chat, which is a little annoying, but I think he's I mean, he has a ton of really good points there. So James isn't going to start a business. No, that's not the point. So sorry, sorry, Kyle, I interrupted you. Go on. Oh, I was, I was kind of hearkening back to when you brought up the difference between a lifestyle business and a startup. Mm. And and I think Isaac is describing a startup, which tends to have the higher risk with the idea of higher reward, whereas a lifestyle business if chosen well in a way that suits your skills and a valuable enough market can, it doesn't have the same upside, but it also has lower risk. Yeah. And what's the point of the additional upside? If you can't like, if you can't obtain it, um, passion for having a significant impact on the world. No, I, I was agreeing with you. I think in that, like if you find, Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking a question of what the point was. I could see why you would think it was a question because I started with what's the point. Um, <laughs> but so I like, was answering. Yeah. So so you, you were talking about there's less of an upside and less risk, but 
if you can't, if there's, if you don't have the skills or expertise or experience, whatever it is, or mm-hmm. timing, etc., to yeah. what's the word like capture the gains, capture the Capitalized. upside, capitalize. There you go. Thank you, James. Um, You're very welcome. If you don't, if you can't capitalize on that additional upside from where you would be just going into work and doing what's in front of you, then you shouldn't start a business. I don't. I I think there might be. So, so I guess, yes, from my financial perspective, absolutely, you shouldn't start a business. But there may be psychological aspects to someone's nature just thriving more on being their own boss, setting their own schedule mm. that makes the decrease in expected um, financial reward worth it. Yeah. No, I, I I think that's fair. I think that's also so. It sounded like this guy in particular was just trying to give a good, um, almost reality check damper yeah. to um to all the people who are, you know, uh, I don't have Instagram personally, but my wife does, and you see a lot of people on there with these super cool, um, you know, farms or flower gardens, all this, and you're just like, dude, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna have my passion business that I'm like crazy passionate about. And I'm just going to have tons of Instagram followers or I have a YouTube channel and I'm going to make tons of money, have all the free time in the world for a podcast. And I feel like a lot of people jump sometimes before they, uh, they really are able to. And uh-huh. also they, yeah. And so pretty much they get into something a bit too deep. And, uh, so I think that's where a good reality check and good friends around you to be like, actually, man. I don't think that you're cut out to do that. Like you're, there's no way you're going to make any money um, with a basket weaving YouTube channel. Actually, you could make a ton of money with that. A time-lapse basket weaving channel free of charge. That would be a great idea. You'd have to know how to basket weave. Oh yeah. But like <laughs> two semesters <laughs> at community college, you're golden. Yeah. You're, you're awesome. You're gold. You're good. Good to go. Um, yeah. 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 So I, and I talked to a lot of folks. It's interesting. People whose parents own their own business, usually either are really gung-ho for it if their parents' business did well mm-hmm. and provided well for the family, was not necessarily low stress, but like not a huge mm-hmm. um, detraction on the family. They got to see their dad sort of thing. They got to see their dad. Money wasn't, maybe maybe it wasn't just money was flowing in over, you know, your cup overfloweth, but it wasn't like super duper tight where, you know, you could never buy new clothes or go out to eat. Yeah, those people are usually pretty on board with the entrepreneurial own your own business side of things. Folks whose parents had businesses that were really tight, and there wasn't a whole lot of extra money at the end of each month, and you mm-hmm. know the whole family worked to run the construction business or the restaurant or whatever. Those people, I feel like in general, um, go way more towards the I'm going to get a job at a good company. They have an amazing work ethic, I feel like, a lot of times. So they usually do exceptionally well working mm-hmm. for someone. Um, but they know I think the alternative. They, yeah, they do. And they they seek that security and they're mm. really willing to do that trade-off of potentially, you know, the potential for setting your own schedule, you know, doing things like that or doing a job that maybe you're more interested in um, for the yeah. security of a paycheck, you know, and um, good benefits. Yeah, all of that. I don't, that's just what I've noticed from folks who, whose parents have had both of those. Yeah. So did did your parents, either of your parents, start anything, James? Actually, should we introduce you? 
Um, you, you can, you can, yeah. I mean, or, well, I just you, mean, or you can. We just started, know. we're just like mid conversation, and I was trying to adjust my mic, which that's going to be fun to deal with <laughs> when, I, when I edit. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, like, so I, I guess I, it feels a little weird to do it at this point. But well, I could I just guess, I could just say who I am. You can always splice it back into the start, and then yeah, keep, exactly, keep, yeah, keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Kyle, how about you splice it into the start? <laughs> I don't have those skills, man. Uh, okay, all right. Just not a product James, market James, fit there. James, who are you, and what are you doing on our podcast? Who am I? Who are any of us, Daniel? Um, so uh, my name's James. Uh, longtime friends of both of your hosts, um, Kyle and Daniel. I feel like I've known Daniel since like you were in scouts or you were in Weeblos with my brother, oh, Cub Scouts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Um, and then Kyle for the last like eight years, I feel like I've known him. Yep. Something like that. Um, which I just saw on Facebook. Mr. Gray's Bible study. Yeah. Well, and Kyle, I just saw that I've been Facebook friends with your wife for 11 years yesterday or today. That's right. You've known my wife longer than you've known me. So much longer. Um, but anyways, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I've been on your podcast once before. Um, the unaired <sighs> podcast, the infamous election night 2020. That was so terrible. It was so bad. Uh, guys, when... I forgot when, about that. When there's yeah. the documentary of the Socratic Hobbits, the um, online forum that took the world by storm... That will be like the forgotten episode that will be like, it'll be tracked down. They'll like interview all the people in the documentary. We'll all be in our 80s. I'm like, yeah, I remember election night 2020. We all brought our recipes to tell Daniel of like our favorite recipe to make of food. Yeah, it'll be great. You I, know, I'm looking the, forward to that. There was one usable thing from that entire podcast. <laughs> and most of it was completely unusable. Do you know what it was, James? What? It was you explaining your recipe. Nice. That was it. So maybe I'll just—I have it still. I have the recording. Maybe I'll. That'd be an that. excellent introduction. <laughs> or maybe like a little short—a short episode to like introduce our uh, guest. Yeah. I'll figure something out. Maybe yeah. I'll, maybe I'll see if I can find it. It's it man. Might be in the... If you post that, that would make me. Wouldn't that make me an online chef, like a celebrity internet chef? Maybe internet. an internet chef. Yeah, yeah. Celebrity is a little a little much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that uh, explanatory introduction, James. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Where do you yeah. Where do you live now? Uh, I currently reside in the Treasure Valley, uh, Boise, Idaho. I'm technically an eagle, and then my wife and I we just bought a house um, in a town just south of Nampa. Um, so congratulations! Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm a machinist by trade. You're an eagle. Currently an eagle. It eagle is a suburb of. Of Boise, just to the northwest. Oh, oh, you're mm-hmm. in Eagle. Yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. I'm an Eagle, and I was uh, like, no. are you identifying really closely with your like school mascot, or <laughs> I, I just didn't, I didn't catch no, it. No, I got you. Nope. I got it now. Yeah, the city of Eagle. The yeah, it's um, it's a very strange town to be in because it's one of the richer towns in Idaho, if not for sure in the Treasure Valley, um, which kind of goes from the Oregon border, Ontario, Oregon down to um, Mountain Home, which is just about uh, 45 minutes an hour south of uh, Boise. And so, yeah, it's a very affluent community Mm -hmm. um, where like 
you go to the grocery store and you see people, their grocery runner is a Ferrari, or you go to, you drive past the mechanic shop and there'll literally be like a beat up F-250 getting worked on and a Lamborghini on the lift next to it. Like it's, it's a really, really fun place. Lots of Teslas. So, so you've actually seen like a Lamborghini in the shop? Yeah, dude. Yeah. No, if wow. you're here, if you spent a week in Eagle, I could guarantee that you would see at least one, if not two, of the new um, Corvettes, about 600,000 Teslas for a town that's really small. Um, Wow. I know. Yeah, it's maybe a slight overestimate. Um, I think I could guarantee you at least a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and maybe a Lamborghini SUV and lots of Porsches. Wow. Also a lot of Chevys. Yeah. What what is... Treasure Valley or Eagle? What are they? Real estate and potatoes. Well, it's so Eagle is where a lot of, um, so a lot of people in Idaho either who moved up here from states that will not be named or a state that will not, um, who they sold their small house in California for (gasps) 1.3 million, moved up here and bought a house three times the size for a third the cost. Um, and so there's a lot of that. There's also a lot of people who owned land in the Valley, which they have since sold for developments. Mm-hmm. And so they've uh, retired or just moved to Eagle. It's a really cute community. Um, and like, yeah, in there. It's super fun to walk around. It's basically a tourist town that people shop in every day. Wait, have you been to Eagle, Kyle? A bunch. What? How? Because a friend of mine from the U of I lacrosse team, his his parents lived in Eagle. A lacrosse player's parents would live in Eagle. Yeah. No, it's it is a really fun town, and like the house that we're renting is like two blocks from the downtown. Um, nice. It's a it's really weird because like yeah, it's a little 1940s house, um, and the neighborhoods there are like totally normal neighborhoods. Um, the neighborhoods all around us are like nice middle of the road to slightly above middle um, neighborhoods. But then there's also some really nice neighborhoods. Um, but yeah. But if you're ever in Eagle, Daniel, there's a great uh, ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. They get really good ice cream cones out and they can just walk around the neighborhoods and there are all these. It's, it, it is kind of like walking around some of the nicer neighborhoods in Portland okay. where they're not crazy houses, uh, crazy like McMansions and Beverly Hills, but they're very nice um, kind of turn of the century houses that have been kept up or maintained very well. The, the Boise river runs through town. There's lots that you can fly fish on it. You can, um, there's really nice walking trails all along it. I would say that, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. This is just an ad for the trail. Yeah. I was just going to say, this is turning into an ad for Eagle. (laughs) Not that, not that it sounds like they need it. That's a cool place to live. It is. It is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a neat, it's been a, a fun place. Um, Maybe we should start our segment, why, why not everyone should move to Idaho. Exactly. Yeah, for yeah, example, yeah. the winters. <laughs> the winters were not that bad this year. It was, uh, ah, dang it. I can't say that. That's, yeah. The winters are were terrible. To, you have, you guys both, eh, Kyle doesn't at this point. James, you have veto power over anything. If you're like, ah, I don't want to share that with the world, you just tell me. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you know. So do you want me to sh- you know, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Nice I was winters. kidding that I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. One, I think one key thing for this episode, one of my goals is to not say um a lot. Because oh, I remember in an early yeah. episode, Daniel yeah. had said that he'd gone through and edited and he realized he said um a lot. And Kyle was like, yeah, 
that was, and you were like, Kyle, you don't say um hardly at all. And I was like, yep, that was a thing that like I really practiced and worked on. And uh, yeah. It's, I haven't uh, followed it, up with this because it seemed like not a point, but now you're saying it. I do. I have had to edit out. I don't know. I've noticed that Kyle says, um, that's all, that's all there is to it. I have stopped editing it out though of either wow. unless it's a, um, and there's lots of space around it. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, I, and then I edit it. You know how bad it was because of how much Daniel now edits out. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to be here with you guys uh, tonight uh, with the Socratic Hobbits and there all the, so, what do you call your followers? Sobbits. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I would print that on a t-shirt. That's uh, yeah. Well, one, we don't have any t-shirts. <laughs> no, if anything, we call them Shobbits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we just call them Hobbits. Like we're hobbits, you're hobbits, everybody's a hobbit. Or you could call them hob. What what was it that Treebeard called them? Hobbitlers. That sounds like Hitler. Halflings or something. No, who was it who called? It's not important. Um, but someone in the characters called. Are you thinking of Golem calling them hobbitses? No. Treebeard. Oh, Treebeard had an old Entish word for them. That's true. Hmm. I don't know. This will this will weigh on me. Will it? Um, not too heavily. No. Uh, but we'll, yeah. But anyways. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. Yeah. I think. In. So. Yeah. Okay. We can. Uh, what is, are we wanting to talk about? Businesses. <laughs> are we wanting to talk about? I mean, granted, I realize I've been a fan long enough to know. Uh, yeah. Th- these things you wander just interrupted a little bit. yourself like three or four times. <laughs> hey. Hey. It's. It's all right. It's okay. The. Um, yeah. It's his first time on air. <laughs> You should, I know you should, it's, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Well, no, I'm just curious. Like, you know, are we talking we about businesses? Because I have questions for you guys about your podcast and the future of it and where you're wanting to go with it. Um, which okay. could, could be a very short conversation or it could be long. We'll see. Yeah. You shoot, you, you ask, and then Kyle's going to answer. And I'll well, we're and I'll both correct. about a hundred dollars in at this point. So there's no turning back. <laughs> no turning back. We're 200, so, 200 each actually. Sunk the kids. We're both a couple uh, hundred dollars in, <laughs> and, and Kyle's four hundred dollars in if you count the knives. <laughs> Wait, you guys got knives? Yeah. Do you want? Oh, to buy would one? you like to buy one? <laughs> are they? No, what no, are they? Super it, nice, actually. Hold on, I've got. Can right you show here. me a picture of one? It's two hundred dollars a knife. I'll do you better. Okay. He will send you one when you Venmo him two hundred dollars. <laughs> nice. Wait, have you guys been having ads for these on the last couple of episodes? Um, because you really need a good ad, like where you're like, "Hey, and hobbits, you know, make sure that you buy the hobbit." So Whoa! So this is one. So Tyler, uh, my brother-in-law, made these. Yeah. So this is, yeah, it's it's hand, not forged. I found out recently, David, it's uh, cut and then sharpened. So that's a really nice shaped one there. Um, there's actually a number of knives that I've seen come up for sale similar, and they're very popular for. Oh, dude, those are sweet. Yeah, and I wish I could. James, can you put a pop-up shop in Eagle? A pop-up shop? Uh, yeah, we have a farmer's market in Eagle. Yeah, that's the Dude, that would be the place to sell these, Daniel. If I went, is there is there like a a where a sportsman's? Oh yeah, I don't know. No, no, no. Like a a sportsman's show. Yeah, something like that where it's like, oh, you know, we we show up for a weekend and yeah, you've got a, a bunch far- of hunters. A together. Farmer's market would be perfect. So, but so the sportsman show, 
you do. It probably um, less than the sportsman's yeah. show. So oh. they just did the big Idaho sportsman show three weekends ago or something. But yeah, where it's like three days long, four days long, you set up a yeah. booth. Um, it's probably several hundred dollars a booth for those. So, so my break even with four knives. So here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe. Here's the thing, Daniel. You've been looking you for might business. Break even. Uh-huh. You've, you've been looking for work. There's a knife company for sale right now here in Idaho. And. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going there. Dude. Well, I think you could probably set it up anywhere because I don't think they make the knives in house. Oh. Um, just from what I've read, but they're the company's name. It's uh, Goat Knives, like a billy oh. goat. Goat knives, like greatest and they of sell all them at, time. Yeah, exactly. I I just call them the uh, Tom Brady knives. Um, you know what that would go really well with? A deflated football. Coffee. Old goat calls and lures. The, dude, there you go. Well, and so. So you guys should look them up on your spare time. Um, but yeah, their knives are sold at like Sportsman's Warehouse, places like that. They have a pretty good sheath knife, um, a few, but then they also have, it's really popular in the hunting industry right now to have um, changeable blade knives that oh, are basically yeah. like almost like scalpels. But they have a really unique design one where it's almost just a handle mm-hmm. and then you pop the blade onto it, use it, but it also stores in the like almost uh, plasma cut or machined handle. Uh-huh. On the side of it, it stores um, certain bits. Allen keys and bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like adjusting your scope. There you go, that's man. the only one that's available. Yeah. But apparently, his business is doing quite well. Um, he's looking to sell and for a hefty price tag. Um, Do you know how much? Um, I, the number I've heard, which is through someone who knows someone who knows him, is $4 million. Um, I'll go look in my couch. I know, I know. I was like, I had three, but you know, um, yeah. What but, is his? What's his revenue? <laughs> it's a good question. That I don't. Well, know. I mean, That's because you can get if you know what the revenue is, you can get a loan based off of the profit and right. But anyways, so yeah, goat knives, uh, business idea, free of charge, except for four million dollars that would be charged to you. But the idea is free of charge. Idea is totally free charge. So you aren't you aren't the wholesaler for this business, just bringing it to us. <laughs> it's for, a one percent. It's guy. really a it's really a one million dollar business. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, oh, man. It's, oh man. So that's another business idea. It almost sounds like this was a lifestyle business for him that just grew to be popular. Grew to the point where it's no longer a lifestyle business, and yep. he doesn't want to take it to that next level. But he'd be happy to sell it to someone who does. So apparently he's got, I, I can't remember the guy's name um, or the guy who was telling me didn't tell me his name. He has a fairly popular hunting YouTube channel and he's really big into, I believe it's archery hunting, where a lot of times when you get close, you have to kind of stalk in, be quiet, stealthy. And so he started making these, and I couldn't tell if they were, from the way the guy was describing them, if they were a felt cover that went over your boot or if you uh-huh. slipped off your boot and slipped on kind of these stocking socks, a stocking isn't like your stocking. Something Wait, what is like. this guy's name? I don't know. I, I don't know his name. Um, but basically he has a full-time job. He started that on the, uh, making these on the side and his wife was just shipping them out and basically uh-huh. did really well in business with just this side thing. So I think it is, he's one of those guys who has a full-time job that makes good money, has these hobby projects. Oh, this was a, wait, is this the same guy as the knife? Same guy. So the knife guy did shoes before this and runs a YouTube channel. 
and has a and has an actual job and has a full time job and finds time to hunt and yeah. has a wife who and has presumably well is willing at least to ship stuff out for him. That's right. Anyways, if I ever find more information on it, I'll send it to you guys. Um, but yeah, anyways, all that to say, how does he have time to do all this? Well, I guess that's the thing is like if he has a full time job, what's the full time job? Is it? He probably works for the government. Yeah. Does he work for the government? Is he um, a realtor where he's like a really well-established realtor where he's doing big deals like in Sun Valley where you Uh sell four houses a year and rake in a bunch of money? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Probably sells four houses in Eagle. That's true. That's true. It's always a possibility. Sun Valley's even more. Yeah. Sun Valley's. Oh, it's, it's epic. I'm not familiar with the real estate in Idaho. (sighs) You know, Sun Valley is where Hemingway died. Oh, that's down in catch him but anyways all that to say um yeah i don't know how we got on this but businesses that are for sale see 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 it's easy to do well well, haley is where all the multi-millionaires come in fly in for uh, different conferences uh specifically the tech conference they hold it every year up there mm-hmm. which is the other money and i don't know yeah that's i thought true. all the money was the californians coming in well that's where the tech came from <laughs> oh but uh, yeah, uh, Facebook just built, they're building oh, a huge no. facility in CUNA. Yeah, this is kind of what we do, James. And I try to edit all of this into something that's at least partially sensible. Daniel, you... Kyle is like, why do you spend so much time editing? And I'm like, <laughs> we won't have a podcast otherwise. No one will listen <sighs> to it. And I still oh. get constant feedback. You guys are too squirrely with your conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh so is this from your wife we haven't yeah uh everybody who i know who gives me feedback says that except for my sister rachel uh-huh. your sister nice. yeah she, she just, just says go get him brother hey you're doing a really good job you're doing a real job you're doing <laughs> you're definitely producing i mean it's not a real job it's you know <laughs> there's uh, content there is content. Okay, wait. So I'm going to circle back. So your guys' podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you guys looking to actually grow it to where you're potentially monetized some way? Patreon account, selling swag? Like what? I mean, obviously you have the knives, which are awesome. Yep. <laughs> At, uh, so we actually have something called, and I don't know if I've ever talked about it, but there's like a little way for some, for people to support us. Yeah, you mentioned it at least once in the podcast. All of the show notes. I didn't. I guess I don't feel like continuing to mention it, um, but it would basically just be to support to pay for the the podcast hosting essentially and, and our website, which is how we host it. Sure. I don't know if that's the best way to do it or not. Um, we don't really get very much, if any, traffic on our website. So, except for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but it's like ten. Like I don't think. It, but that's more. That's like infinitely more than we had. No, we were doing, we were doing like one or two a, a week or a month. I don't remember. Have you have you guys seen your listener base grow? Yeah, actually, this uh, and then shrink. This well, yeah. But Kyle, I haven't talked to you about this because it's happened in the last like two two ish weeks. But we've had an average of like twenty people listen to episodes now, Whoa. which is up from. 10 to that's, 15. Yeah, that's a pretty big step up. Oh, I thought it was like 5 to 10. It was in the month of like January. January was super low though. So even though we were 
So everyone was busy doing their New Year's resolutions, and they got fed up with that and decided, oh, we can just go back to listening. I actually heard a different uh, podcast um, guy talk about he like his businesses. He's got, I don't know, 30 podcasts. that He doesn't produce all of them. He probably only does five or six. But it's his full-time job. And uh, for whatever reason, a lot less people listen in January and February. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But that's actually pretty big for us. It is big for us. But as yeah. far as monetizing, I've heard that the rough numbers are like you should have something like 10,000 listeners for most episodes in order to like really properly monetize. Sure. Is that to monetize as in you could support one podcaster or monetize as in? That was what Tim Ferriss said at one point. Um, I think maybe it was to be for that to be your business. Um, but I think also that was to have any real conversations that were not completely one-sided with, um, people who were going to have ads. Okay. Yeah. So where you get to dictate a little bit, your terms. Got it. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that we'll do ads. I don't know what would have to change in order for Kyle and I to have that kind of listenership. It would be pretty enormous. And so since we've been doing this for two years coming up. Two years, yeah. This July. This July. I don't think that we're probably going to monetize. If we had been slowly growing over time and we're at like, at a certain point we would hit probably a threshold where things would start to grow a lot more naturally. Mm -hmm. I just don't see us getting that inertia at this point. I just think that I don't know. Well, James, you listen to quite a few podcasts. What feedback do you have for Socratic Hobbits if we were to try and grow? Yeah. In terms of what targets? Okay. Okay. Why do you keep listening? <laughs> Which Socratic is a different Hobbit. way of yeah. Why do you keep listening? Is it because we're friends? Um. Yeah. So I would say, uh, for me, it's enjoyable to hear um, two guys that I've known for a long time discuss things that are um, of interest to them, sometimes interest to me. Um, and yeah, and it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear, hear you guys. Uh, yeah. Just chit chat. It's like, just, it's basically like if I was sitting um, at Bible study with you guys or at your guys' mm. home and just going out to coffee with you guys, it's yeah. Just listening to two friends talk um, sometime in random cuts and snippets where it doesn't quite flow. It's kind of choppy, Daniel. Um, Even but I said something that's offended me, and I've taken out my my words that are inappropriate, and I'd have to. No, but I would say, I I would say that the the tricky part with your guys's podcast is that you're not famous of your own right before you. What st- I know, I know. Before you started a podcast, so people aren't coming just to hear. Daniel Hayward, who I saw in that one TV show, just talked to his buddy, Kyle, like, yeah. and you're not, um, you don't have, I guess, super structured topics to where you fall into a category that you can exploit. And right. so you don't fall into a religious or financial or political or um, affinity pop group. culture. Yeah. We're just, kind, we're of just kind of two dudes talking. Exactly. Yeah. Which um, isn't a bad name for a podcast. Uh, but I think, I think if you guys did focus on that more, you'd potentially be good. 
or if you guys were somehow able to attract, I don't know, I wouldn't say A-listers, but people who are specialists in a topic mm. and say like, hey, I want to have someone who's potentially that like B, C, maybe even D level of person where they already have a following mm. so that then you get them on, they have potentially a interesting conversation their listeners follow because they pitch it on theirs and then you slowly build from that and they go oh yeah there's those socratic hobbit guys i'd be curious to hear who the next person is that they talk to and well why do you think that you're here exactly i know i'm i'm way down i'm like that i don't (laughs) you're like on our level i'm in the looped around where it's like double letters now it's not like it's not like a b c d it's a a b b c c i'm down in that somewhere middle range because they do that with excel yeah see yeah yeah yeah. even dude even if you guys were an excel podcast (laughs) where you you, that is it's a really small niche but the riches are the niches so yeah exactly exactly. did you say riches are in niches riches are in the niches yeah (laughs) yeah or if you're really rich the niches but yeah oh yeah of industries and yeah i see i see but anyways yeah so i would say so for instance if you were to get someone like Doug Wilson on to discuss a topic like, so I'm just saying, I'm saying this is how you would build it is you would have someone like Doug Wilson on. There you go, Daniel. You, you heard it here. <laughs> you, you heard it here. No, I'm just saying like, that would be someone. You could ask him all your questions. <laughs> no, really? Because here's the thing. That's someone who is, is attached to a community that you guys are a part of. He would be able to come on. He would talk with you guys. Well, you're a part of the community, Daniel. If he if he listened to any episodes prior to coming on, he would refuse. I mean, that's or, possible. Or he would come in. <laughs> Guns blazing. Yeah. Oh, man. And he's really well, sm- he's probably smart. Even though I don't oh, like him, no, all the Wilson, all the Wilson boys are very smart. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's someone who he already has a following. It's yeah, yeah, not, yeah. no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and so you'd build from that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I know, I know. You just you just picked Doug Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> could, have well, Andy, could have Andy Wilson, maybe. I, could, yeah, I, I, could. I was going to say, Andy Wilson would be an interesting one. That's like another level of guns blazing, Daniel. But I think that's a level up as far as like following oh. in a sense. Maybe, well, maybe. I don't know. Because he's a – well, it depends on where you're at. But Nate is a published author with like Random House and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think James is right that that is sort of another level up in, I guess, cultural – Clout. Clout, yeah. But – so. But I would have a hard. You're saying I would have a harder time with Nate than Doug. Yes. Really? That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. But anyway, so that that's what I would say is yeah. If you were to get someone with that that medium to small following, and then just kind of just like jump onto that because really what you need is like, and this sounds super techy and nerdy, but you do need somewhat viral content to grow. You need yeah. that Facebook link that gets 10 million views or a million views of a snippet of your show where, you know, Kyle mm. and you discuss, I don't know what, Winston Churchill. It just It's on the top of my head. Um, well, I mean, if, if you really want to make sure that none of the Wilsons ever come on this podcast, you just don't edit this out, which is uh, my wife was listening to Doug's wife uh, 
do a podcast and she was talking about how it's really important that mothers respect their sons. And, and my comment was, well, I think she may have respected Nate a little bit too much. But anyways, so those, those would be my takeaways of, uh, of y'all's show of just like, yeah, it, we have had Dr. Madsen on. So that is true. Oh, we speaking had of Dr. Which, Madsen. Uh, I've got a friend who started a farm and he has questions and I was like, well, maybe I could give you Isaac's number, but I don't know Isaac that well. You should talk to him before he moves to Zambia. When is he moving to Zambia? Sometime between August and December. Well, I'm just saying, is it fine if I just give David <laughs> Isaac's number? Do yeah. I need, do I need, okay. Right. Wait, I don't know. Is this a David that we know? One of the Davids? Yeah, he oh, started really? uh, his his uh, his wife started a flower farm. I thought that you were referring oh. to her related to the Instagram. Like she's doing that full time now. Oh no 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 no! I wasn't actually, but that is a good point. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so is is David doing his full time as well, or is it a? Well, it's his 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 second full time job. <laughs> well, and I think so. I think that that's the beauty of it, in a sense, the way they're doing it is mm-hmm. because they do have basically two people who can basically David can continue his Mm -hmm. uh, employment, you know, with benefits, all that, where you have that steadiness, Mm -hmm. but then it also allows for taking of a much smaller, uh, it allows for taking of risk, but more manageable risk. And that would be, um, yeah, his wife making, uh, making the move to full-time. Yeah. I should say she's uh, flower grower. She's not uh, like, this is her last uh, spring. Like oh, okay, yeah. So she's once she's done in June or whatever she's she's done um, teaching. She's or she's she's taken a year off officially, but could extend it into two years, and then at that point would have to decide. And little pitch for their flowers and their uh, company, they uh-huh. do a really good job of. Um, I feel like of posting on Facebook where they have very, um. Hmm. very pleasant pictures to look at of their flowers uh-huh. um, where it's enjoyable. They're well taken. And in general, they just have some, some really beautiful flowers. Uh, my wife used to do uh, floral arrangements for weddings, mm-hmm. things like that, and still does for friends' weddings. And yeah, there was a flower. Oh, I forget which kind it was that they had that she was like, Oh, maybe it was a, it was a really, yeah, it was a really pretty one. And she was like, I wonder who the breeder of that flower is. Cause it's like, or what particular one it was, but anyways, yeah. all that to say, yeah. Fields, um, Fields of joy flower co. If you're Fields in the of joy flower Portland, co. not a sponsor, but could be of your guys's show. Yeah. I, I did have one issue. We, um, we got their, they do a flower subscription every year mm-hmm. and we got the two week one, mm-hmm. right? So we would get flowers every two weeks. Sure. But we slowly accumulated more and more flowers because it, you normally when you buy flowers, they're dead in a week. Right. They're and on their last leg. Yeah. They're on their last. Yeah. On their last leg. But with theirs, they would just stay what they'd stay good for like three or four weeks. And so we would have sometimes we would have like so many flowers around the house because they would just stay perfectly nice. And it feels weird to just throw away. Yeah. Beautiful. You paid for those. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a very reasonable price, I might add. Anyway, we can... see, see. So here's the thing: you guys, I think, could have a perfectly good podcast, just like bringing on random um, entrepreneurs that you know, or people in it in a particular industry, or you could bring on, um, yeah, uh, field fields of joy, joy. I, I can't remember the name of it. I just see the pictures. Fields of joy, really flower co. I think fields of joy, flower co. Um, and yeah, you could bring them on. You could talk to them about how they got. Um, 
started in this? What drew them to it? Is this a lifelong passion that they've both had for flowers? Or was it a thing of where they were like, hey, we had to get flowers for a cousin's wedding. And we were like, this Mm -hmm. is crazy expensive. We could do this so much better and utilize our property for this. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I don't know. Or you could talk to someone who's a, a fishing lure manufacturer per se. And how uh, that individual went from programmer to fishing lure uh, manufacturer or something like I don't know. You could talk. Yeah, it. I don't, I could see. I could see some fun podcasts of that. They'd be interesting to me. I don't know if anyone else, but yeah. What do you think about that idea of of focusing Socratic hobbits on questions about small businesses or small business ideas? That'd be really fun. I think you could also maintain your kind of charter of being like talking about because within small business you're picking a particular industry Mm -hmm. or subject but out of that can flow any a number of things of how as a christian do you run a small business how that interplays with your time that you split with your family what are the struggles with that how do you work with hiring family or friends to work for your small business and you know how you do all that it can politics can play into it like you can you can do so many offshoots but you have like you have a focus and yeah depends on who you talk to about the politics, whether or not you want that. But yeah, it could make it more entertaining. That's a fantastic feedback. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Can you guys hear the tile guys? No, they're still working on my bathroom right now. Speaking of small business, perfect small business. Hey, tile guy, come here. Actually, they're like 15. I think one of them can't drive. He's so young looking. Dude. So there's a bunch of young guys in my church who've, started framing crews and they're framing houses and one of them literally a guy whose house they was they were framing because they're doing just subdivisions uh-huh. called like the foreman of the entire subdivision was like why are there kids framing my house and all these guys are like in 19 or anywhere between <laughs> 18 and 20 he's like why are there children framing my house like, oh, they're <laughs> a legit company like they have they're an well, llc they're a contract if they want to get yeah. married at 17 they've got to get started <laughs> soon it's true yeah yeah but anyways, yeah, so no, that that is kind of funny where, yeah, and there's been times where people have shown up and they're like, where's the form, or where's the uh, the foreman of this job? And uh, one He's of the like, guys will boy. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So oh, yeah, man. the young. I, uh, the, the construction industry is kind of funny that way. People have a, a specific expectation of what a, what a foreman would be. And um, there was this project manager who's a, a gal and they wouldn't like she had to get her she had to get the guy's boss to let her on the job site because he was like no this is like only for project personnel we don't there's no admin for you to do here <laughs> whoa <laughs> this was a couple years ago but um, still Back in the dark ages. No, not that long ago. It was like 2016 or 2017. And it was like, he just couldn't conceive of a, a project manager or a foreman being a woman. He just couldn't. Which is interesting because you hear those stories yeah. of people who they talk about like, yeah, um, this guy said this to a woman or, or, um, or a race thing where they're mm-hmm. like, you know, the doctor who was wearing scrubs was walking down the hall and someone came up and were like, oh, hey, there was a spill on the floor. Like as the janitor, can you take care of that? Yeah, yeah. And it's like you hear He's these the things. neurosurgeon on the floor. <laughs> right. And you and you hear these things, but they're so 
You feel like they're they somewhat unverifiable. Unverifiable. Okay, yeah. Just yeah, try yeah. try again. I'll edit the the, the mistakes out. <laughs> he'll he'll edit un- the spill. Yeah, exactly. Unverifiable. That's the one we're uh, keeping. We're keeping it. <laughs> um, and cut. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, so anyways yeah and you always go like eh, do those really happen do they not is this a one and because in general i don't think i've ever seen someone act like that to a gal or oh, I have. to a person of color you know yeah. like i mean i don't know that i've ever seen that but also i'm not everywhere at all times kind of a deal you know and where um, i grew up is not somewhere else i work for i like even when I actually I noticed it more, probably because there was more different people of a more progressive company, I noticed it more because there was I don't know you had a lot of subcontractors, and I mean but the construction industry used to be like people who are five to ten years older than me remember when there were like when they started on the job the way that they would settle disputes was by beating the crap out of each other on on lunch. Like yeah. the foreman and superintendent would fist fight. And these are old men, like these are older men. Yeah. And that's how they decided that they were going to deal with it. And so to like, I don't know, when you have people who are still in the industry who remember that, I think you're just not going to have, you're not going to get everybody to to talk nice to each other. For sure. Well, and I guess that's a question of, do you think that that is wrong of them to settle their disputes in that way by mutual combat as it I were d- i do think that that's not the most ideal way to settle a dispute yeah what's better one big fist fight or a year of sniping behind each other's back uh that is a false dichotomy kyle is <laughs> it yeah it absolutely is you can have a gentle truthful conversation like you can have oh a- yes yes you definitely can but i'm saying if if you have two people who aren't going to do that, you can still have a confrontation where it doesn't result in fist fights. You absolutely can. <clears throat> I've so, just been part of cultures where it's the other way around. And you think it would be better to beat each other senseless in the parking lot to where one person can't stand up and then be done with it. Yeah. Yes. You think that's better? Yes. I think that leads to a less passive aggressive culture. It leads to a more overtly hostile work culture. If you think that that's how things get solved, then the biggest, dumbest guy wins. Now, nah, not necessarily dumbest, just the biggest guy. Not necessarily. The, the smallest, quickest guy sometimes wins those. Kyle, you and I disagree about <laughs> the way to deal with confrontation, and I'm honestly pretty surprised at you. Like, do you, I mean, do you think that that's how Jesus would like us to solve some conflicts? Oh, I'm definitely not saying either of them is good. I was asking the question of of which is worse long term. Uh, I'm not saying which is the ideal situation. Neither of them are are good. Sure Neither of them are like ideal. Because you because in the way that you framed it, you said, "Hey, there's these two guys that are going to hate each other. Would it be better for them to argue with words or beat each other?" And your response was, "Beating would be better." No, so that is that's a bit of a misconstruing of. Of the okay, dichotomy. I guess understood. What what I have been told by people from that culture um, is that, and and maybe you have you've you've heard different things, um, 
which would basically destroy what I'm bringing up here. But what I've been told is that the disagreement stopped after the fist fight and people were able to work together peaceably, peaceably after that. Um, I mean, the one company, there was two situations that I'm thinking of. Uh-huh. One of them, they just had to replace the superintendent. He couldn't work in that situation anymore. Okay. Because he was the aggressor or the one being aggressed? Uh, because he lost. <laughs> oh, okay. And so he, like, he, he just basically... with the crew. He lost face with the crew. He just decided, like, it wasn't going to work. And then in the other situation, um, he did as he was told. And he was not happy. He hated everybody and everybody knew it. But he did it as he, t- as he was told and he didn't bring up. Like, he wasn't He wasn't overly, overtly hostile in that situation anymore. But it was. Um, there was an undercurrent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that. So from from that standpoint those two situations are a perfect counterexample to what i was thinking yeah and or what i had been led to believe and i could see that it would i mean i could see that there were probably situations where once they fought about it they stopped arguing about it because the person who i don't know yeah trial by combat or whatever um and it could depend on how bad the fight got how long yeah how bad the fight got to well less than an hour because that's usually how long they have for lunch <laughs> so okay. so this is this yeah, is a really going. interesting interesting thing uh given and i'm so happy i'm your guest on the podcast <laughs> right after the slap at uh the famous slap that was heard around the world um oh boy by will smith but did either of you watch the i think it's like 30 some minute video of jocko talking about that no i have it's- i have tried to avoid everything about about that because it just seemed so worthless when it came to a use of my time so it's really interesting because the first i haven't finished the whole the whole uh 30 minutes uh-huh. pretty much the first 10 minutes of it five ten minutes of it jocko and echo are talking about um basically is it is it good to have um physical confrontations like this mm. jocko is as one might suspect somewhat of a fan of physical altercations in certain settings for instance he's like in the seal teams like someone's running their running their lip and you know you might give them a slap to let them know hey man you're running your lip or guys they have beef with each other so they go out behind the van they settle it and it's done or on a football team two guys are kind of arguing with each other Mm. they maybe go to the ground people pull them apart like it's a release of of tension kind of and figuring this out right and the person i was thinking of was a football coach who was explaining this to me yeah yeah. sure and he he referenced a a, a study or studies that have been done with like chimps where the largest male chimp who's running the group he will he cannot be a super tyrannical he has to be able to beat down the other ones but if he's overly tyrannical and just oppressive mm-hmm. four or five little guys are going to gang up on him and take him out and he will not be the leader anymore and so it's a it's a thing of there's a way that you can maintain hierarchies with physical aggression um in a healthy way but also it can get to a point where you might still be the biggest baddest guy but there's going to be four guys who are going to come up and put you in your place kind of so anyways, it, 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 to, he did not advocate the slap um, because he was like, 
there's no reason for that. That's like the most idiotic thing to ever do. Like it wasn't, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the comedian didn't apparently didn't know about her condition. Also, yeah, it's just just ridiculous. It's it's um, uh, Will Smith showing a lack of self control to go and do that. And uh, anyways, and he got kind of deep with like, he was like, I didn't know anything about Will Smith and his wife's situation and their history. And he was like, until mm-hmm. this happened, then I started looking it up and I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Like he's probably very insecure in that marriage and stuff. So anyways, it's an interesting one. I haven't listened to the second half of it, so maybe it's less interesting on the second half, but. I don't know. I, I just like for somebody to make fun of my wife in a setting like that, I w- could see myself getting really worked up. I could see myself, like, and especially if they're hitting something that's sore. And and I, I don't know about Will Smith sure. and his wife as far as sure. insecurity or whatever, but if my wife had a condition where she, you know, like, it was obvious with her appearance that there was something going on, um, like, that you could know, maybe not that you would, maybe Chris Rock didn't didn't know for whatever reason and, and sure. i don't care but for somebody to poke fun at that i could see myself not handling that with the most grace for sure so i've i personally you hear about those like you know in la or something they'll do a roast of someone famous or there's the um correspondence dinner in mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. dc and i've always looked at those and been like i would hate being the person there like i couldn't take those jokes as just jokes it yeah. would just be it it kind of just pricked too much well they are <laughs> well yeah 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 and it, it that being said though at the uh grammys oscars oscars i thought it was oscars oscars golden, yeah, globes. Grammys. golden globes at the academy awards um <laughs> they do you want me to just edit in which one is correct <laughs> <laughs> too no, bad i think games. it's best to show the confusion that actually goes behind scenes. <laughs> the, dundies. the dundies the dundies um, <laughs> all right like you specifically are hiring these comedians to be kind of um, raucous. I mean, Ricky Gervais was Ricky. Yeah. And they're going to pick on people like that's kind of a given. Yeah. And especially you're sitting in the front row, they're probably going to heckle people and neither of you are private figures. You're both mm-hmm. very public mm-hmm. figures. And again, yeah. I don't know how public her, if she had had lots of interviews saying, Hey, I shaved my head for this reason, or if it just came out because of this and they had to explain why. And so it's, I mean, hairstyles change all the time in LA. And so, excuse me, uh, making some joke about that. I think it'd be a thing of like, potentially, you know, you can show disapproval on your face. And that's the other thing too, with him where Will Smith, when the joke is said, it pans Mm -hmm. to him and he's laughing at it. And then he looks at his wife and sees that she's not happy. And then he goes and does all this. And mm-hmm. so um, anyways, all that to say, yeah. that's something where obviously bad behavior um, by him. That whole situation that just happened is part of why my wife and I won't ever go to the Oscars. Yeah, I know. Or the same. Dundies. Or the yeah. Oh, I would go to the no, Dundies. I wouldn't go to the <laughs> No, either. I wouldn't go to the Dundies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. But anyways, yeah. But just to be clear, like, like Daniel said, you said earlier, it is not at all Christian to beat someone up because you have a beef with them. The, the question that <laughs> I just feel like, like we need to say this, guys. No, 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 no. I'm like... going to cut the knot. It is very Christian <laughs> to beat someone up. I'm sorry, Kyle. You were serious, and I was being childish. Um, 
Okay, yeah, no, it's not it's not very Christian. It's not Christian at all. At all to to speak. settle to settle your disputes with fists. Yeah. It's really hard to but, love somebody yeah. while you're beating them. Right. But what James was mentioning with um that's that's actually hmm I'm reconsidering what I'm saying. <laughs> it's only on the internet for forever, Kyle. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking if if someone if you have a friend about your size who's doing something really really obnox just obnoxiously stupid and you could say something to them but they can be a little bit thick sometimes and the most effective way may be to knock them on the backside of the head is it in that case are you loving them by speaking their language so to speak and knocking them with an open hand and not a two by four is what you're saying. Like, no. If they're bigger than you, maybe maybe you need a two by four, or either. I don't know. Maybe you do. Kyle, you remember how I realized how tall you were last time you were here? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if you have a relationship where you hit each other, then maybe that's okay. I don't know how that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. Oh, that's interesting, actually, because I was listening to a, a a couple of brothers who are, they're both 20 and at the top of the jiu-jitsu scene already at 20. And they were, they were kind of laughing about how um, they live in an apartment together and sometimes they just get on each other's nerves and they get gloves on and go down, go down to the beach in San Diego and they just wail on each other until they're both too tired to stand up (laughs) and then it's all better well i think in that case it definitely can be loving right like you know and and it just sort of clears the air and there's no more pettiness chit chat back and forth for a few for a week or two and then they do it again and And then then they they do it again and then that way they only have 24 arguments a year exactly (laughs) limited so there there are situations like that and i think you did have a point where if you have that relationship with someone maybe most people wouldn't see that as ideal but (laughs) at the same time if you tried to just say hey johnny we're gonna sit down and talk this out over some kombucha it might not play as well or be as helpful as just hey let's go let's go down to the beach and tussle yeah, I don't have I've never had a relationship like that with somebody. So I uh I just yeah, I have a hard time thinking uh although the you know what? All the disciples were pretty young, young guys. I bet they didn't always use their words. I don't know. Right. Except for John and Jesus. They were older. John was the youngest. No. Was it? At least he died the latest. He did die the latest, but the rest were like uh I think crucified or james is going to check us um, i'll fact check these in real time yeah, yeah yeah so i thought when jesus paid the tax was it him and peter i thought it was him and john for some reason there's only two of them peter went were... fishing what's that peter went fishing and he pulled out the thing with the two coin the two drachma coin pete Pe- i have heard that peter was the oldest john john the apostle now which john it doesn't say 
St. John the Beloved was one of the twelve apostles of Jesus, according to the New Testament, generally listed as the youngest apostle. He Wait. was the son of Zebedee and Solomon. So Kyle was right. Well, about the youngest part. Yeah, yeah. the youngest part. Yeah. Oh, I thought well. you were saying the fish. Oh, that I don't know. I could check that again. The fish was probably the youngest because they don't. Guys, I could just be your fact checker on all your episodes. I'll just be like quiet on the side. I'll be like uh, Joe Rogan's Uh, guy in the background who just pulls up random stuff on the screen that they're talking about. Yeah. Well, it has to be on Wednesdays or Thursdays now because Kyle's schedule changed. Matthew 17. From others, Peter answered, then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to them. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for your tax and mine. So it was Peter who did the fish. It was Peter is the probably the oldest disciple then, because you were taxed if you were over a certain age, right? That's how I've always heard it. Well, I don't know. Don't know. Um, do we want to talk about your business at all, James? Are you starting a business? What well, are you going to do? I, what am I going to do? That's a good question. Um, or do you, are, are you are you pressed for time? We have you until nine. My dad was suggesting that we that I design extruders for or uh, hot hot ends for three D printers, and you machine them. Dude, I mean, there's and see again, that is a niche market. That um, custom extruder ends, I feel like, is not a super. Maybe it is. Maybe it is an industry that's already done. How many ideas do you have right now? Um, what, what are your top three? Top we'll stick three. There. Top three currently are. Uh, well, so I don't currently have any active businesses that are for sale that I'm like looking at, other than just the knife one. But I'm not really looking at that. What's um, up with the dam business? The, so the dam is off the market. I don't know if it actually sold or if he just took it off. Um, it I didn't look for six months or so. I wasn't checking the sites, and uh, when I checked back a month or two ago, it was gone. So what no was dam. the dam thing? There was a small hydroelectric dam, uh, privately owned, that was for sale here uh, for. I think it was like 850 grand, something like that. Um, it was like a four turbine, just uh, yeah, it's nothing crazy. Just a little dam. Just a little dam. Um, but yeah, it was uh, built back in the 80s, uh, huh. down about an hour and a half, two hours south of Boise, in uh, Bliss, Idaho, or right around Bliss, Idaho. And it uh, built in the 80s. And this guy who runs it, it had been his dad's. His dad passed away. This guy's in his probably 70s or 80s. And mm-hmm. so he was looking to sell it to basically, they had to sell off the assets to basically just close out the estate. And mm-hmm. so it had gone up for sale back in 2019, I want to say, and uh, had gone up for sale in 2019. I had kind of called and talked to him a little bit about it. And it had actually been up before that, but I talked to him in 19. And I was like, yeah, not, not that interested. Went off the market because, and then came back on. And so I talked to him a bit more, went and looked at it. And it had gone off the off the market and back on because an investor had come in, bought it to use it for crypto mining, because oh. then you would have your own supply. Mm-hmm. And it's under contract with Idaho Power, which is the big power supplier down here. And they thought in the contract it said you're required to tell you're required to sell ten percent of the power that you produce to Idaho Power. Um, that's the minimum that you have to sell, but you can mm-hmm. use the rest for whatever. So the guy went in, I want to buy it. And then they fought with Idaho Power for a year. And Idaho Power was like, no, if you're producing, you have to, in order for us to buy, you have to be at least producing 10% of your capacity. 
but we buy all your power. And so if you produce over that, we buy all of that too. But in order for us to actually buy power from you, you have to produce 10% of what you're rated to carry or to produce um, per month. It's you just a grandfather contract? Like So it's con- they contract every 20 years. Um, you oh. renew your contracts. And so there's actually a number of small hydro dams um, in southern Idaho. Hmm. And it's uh yeah so anyways all that to say so the guy the investor ended up backing out not selling and uh anyways so then i went and looked at it it's a neat project very dependent on water flows um and -hmm. it has a pretty good tributary that it runs uh, it has a number of rivers that run into the one that it's on but anyways um the current the current uh situation and the most likely is uh the house that my wife and i bought it has a um a shop on the back or on the on the property it's not a big lot or anything but it has a shop there that's about 30 by 40 has power to it and everything needs some work definitely and so that'll be a project for this summer working on that Um, but the goal would be to fix it up get the three-phase power that i need brought in from the pole that's just down uh one pole from ours and or put in a um uh not a transformer but basically a converter phase converter yeah um but anyways, and so, and then basically, or hopefully get a couple of machines in there to where I could start doing uh, machining on the side while I continue to work for my company. That I'm Does it have on. a slab already? Yeah, it's all con- concrete floored cinder block um, building. And so, yeah. So anyways. Could you structure it in such a way that you were essentially renting the uh, the building from yourself and it was the three phase was for if this is the case the three phase was for the business in the building not for your house and i've so the interesting thing with the property the house we bought we didn't know this at the time but the shop is actually sitting on its own lot and so we technically bought two lots without knowing it and so the cool thing with that is you could you can always zone that differently if you wanted to but Mm -hmm. that would potentially be a thing of where you could and i've uh, I was talking to one of my brother-in-laws about it, and he brought up the whole basically setting up the company that then rents the shop from you. Mm-hmm. That'd be a tax write-off? It'd be a tax write-off for the LLC. You would have uh, to pay tax yeah. on what you are paid by your, the LLC. So it kind of it's a little bit of a wash kind of in that case probably. Unless you're – well, you're taxed at a lower rate than your company. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so – Anyways, so that would be potentially, but in general, so yeah, machining. And then one thing that I, when I was asking you some questions, I think before you started recording about what it is you're wanting to work towards, Mm -hmm. I was asking you that because that's been something that I've been trying to actually figure out is what, um, what are the reasons that I actually would want to own my own business? Because there's a lot of reasons for not owning your own business. As far as just security um, and benefits, more sleep, like less gray hair, and just like being able to provide. And so, what are the actual benefits or perceived benefits of owning your own business? And why would I actually want to do that? And then, if I do, is machining actually the business that I want to own long term? Or is that a, I'm going to do this until I can jump off onto this other thing? What is that other thing? And if I do machining, is it, I want to have a machine shop where I build lots of things for people, lots of different things, or do I want to have a widget that I make and sell basically? Well, I think you've 
phrased it really well when you started that um got worse as i went yeah that homily that you not homily soliloquy sure you 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 made the statement that you want to figure out what the end state is so you know what you're going towards sure yeah but then the question is how do we do that what are practices for helping uncover what that what we see is the end state that is worth pursuing mm-hmm. and worth taking that risk. Yeah. James, what did you come up with? <clears throat> well, so if, if for my goals this year, it's on my like first or second quarter goals to actually try and come up with an answer for that question. Um, I think for me, the perceived benefit is um, ability to work more closely uh, to home. And so literally it's in my backyard and so the benefit of that is you're able to uh, hypothetically spend more time with your family because you don't have commute. You um, you can pop home for lunch. You can go inside, grab a cup of coffee, see your kids um, uh, or your wife uh, if, if you want to see her. And, uh, and so she's not working her Fortune 500 job. That's right. That's right. Yep. No, but anyways, and so I would say, so family's a big benefit, the potential for, uh, the ability to somewhat make your own schedule, which again, this is as someone who has never owned his own business. And I think the true, um, the freedom, the freedom of, uh, owning your own business, as someone said, is not the freedom to work four out of five days, but it's the freedom to work six out of seven days kind of a deal or seven out of seven days. That's like, that's really the freedom that you get, um, to make sure that your projects actually get met. So, but being able to be like, Hey, um, you know, my, uh, my kids have, um, spring break off and, uh, we want to go to the coast or, uh, my son just got his hunting license and the weather just broke. And so I'm going to go, um, deer hunting with him tomorrow as, Mm -hmm. and not having to talk to your boss, be like, Oh man, I've got to save up my vacation days. Um, because you know, I've got to take all this time throughout the year, a thing. uh, So hypothetically, there's more freedom in that of being able to make your schedule, tweak your schedule a little bit as you go. And then also just the, um, ability to grow your finances. Uh, currently the company I'm with, great company, really enjoy them. Um, but I definitely feel like I do not have a good growth path within the company. Mm. I feel like I'm kind of hitting that, that kind of glass ceiling as it were. And, uh, or maybe just concrete ceiling, uh, cause you can break a glass ceiling and, but anyways, can, so James. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can do it, but so all that to say, so that's where I'm going. Okay. So if I was to pivot from this, what are the options for, if I want to make more money for my family and mm. as far as going to another machine shop, just based on what I've seen around here, I'd be probably somewhere in the same pay range, uh, to go as a machinist. If I was to be a foreman, potentially, uh, there'd be a bit of a pay bump, but again, you're reliant on your boss deciding that you're worth more every year or three years or whatever it is. And so um, I think for me, there is a big appeal to being able to kind of grow your own business and grow your, be in charge of your own pay. Again, this is a very rose colored glasses, best case scenario, because you're also in charge of going bankrupt. Why not be a salesman, James? 
You have the voice for it. Well, and I can do ads for your guys' knives. Um, well, actually, what is your brother-in-law's knife company? Not to get sidetracked. That does he have doesn't have one. Man. I was going to show him how easy it is to sell knives, and I just haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, but yeah. him and I have talked about probably what we would do, because I've got a handful of different smaller projects as well, like woodworking, is we would start a company together called Block and Blade. Dude, I like it. Yeah, so it'd be fun. A fun my wife's like, you don't have enough side projects. You should start another one. I'm like, okay. Dude, dude if you made cutting boards and uh-huh. like kitchen knives. Yeah. That's where it's at. Okay. Dude, I like it. I'm on board. That's awesome. Okay. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> on board. I know. Um, but anyways. pretty good. Oh, man. How did we get on blades? Uh, you said not to get sidetracked. And then you, you asked. Oh, sales. Yeah. I, I've thought about that. And it really depends. So I, I've like thought about like doing real estate or something like that. But if you do real estate, you can be wildly successful um, at it. But there's a lot of time sacrifice in that as far as mm-hmm. like you're giving up your weekends, you're giving up your evenings at kind of the drop of a hat, especially in this current sales economy that we have. And I feel like you what have about for to, commercial real estate. Commercial real estate is not as much that way. Um, no, it's it's a lot it's a lot more relational. Mm. And so you build relationships with the builders, you build relationships with other companies that, you know, you currently, mm-hmm. so we just moved buildings, our company we right. moved out of two buildings into one and the company that got us our current lease, they also were the um, property management company for our other two buildings. And so they knew that we were looking for a new building. They helped us find, Oh, this contractor's putting up these tilt ups. This space would work for you. And they made that work. And so I think the payouts on those for the guy who's actually finding those, they go quite well, but it's a lot longer. You can do a real, you can do three houses a month or four houses a month. You might do, I don't know, five commercial contracts a year, if that. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of at least starting out a bit of a, a potentially a famine before there's any feast. Um, but then the feast keeps on coming. Dude, it just rolls in. Well, I mean, what would you think of doing machining kind of as a hands-on side side gig and then doing more that relational say some kind of relational sales? Yeah, I I don't have uh I don't have a problem with that in any way. I think that's good. I think and that is kind of the thing is I have to kind of enjoy the product or believe in it that I'm selling. And I have a hard time doing cold calling, cold sailing, selling in a sense of just like, so like uh-huh. um, old goat fishing lures, not a sponsor, yeah. but great, great lures. Uh, when I was down on the Oregon. Great calls country, now too. Great calls too. Dude, I have one. I bought one. Yeah, they're awesome. It sounds so good. His new call. It's, yeah. it's super good. Anyways, so good. Yeah. Gobble, gobble. Turkey season. Um, but anyways, when I was down on the Oregon coast with my in-laws, uh, there was a fishing, uh, we were, we had a boat that, or my father-in-law's boat was moored at a little marina. We'd go uh-huh. crabbing and stuff and fishing and the marina owner, super nice older guy. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to him, hand out some yeah. cards. And it was always a thing of like, when I get there, uh, he was busy with something or whatever. And then it got to the very last day and I was like, 
oh, I got to go talk to Jim. Like I got to, like I told Don I would try and do this. Uh-huh. And so I like, I tried and I got there and there's like a line of eight people getting their fishing licenses. And I'm like standing at the back of it. And my wife and I are supposed to be driving further down the coast to meet up with my brother and his wife right, and right. all this. And so I ended up giving cards to like two people in line because they asked me what I was doing. And I showed them lures and stuff, gave them cards, uh-huh. but I never got to talk to Jim. And then I stopped at a couple other marinas along the way um, that again, if I'd been actually focusing better, I would have stopped at earlier on in the week or whatever. So, uh-huh. but I think, um, but it is kind of fun getting to, getting to sell a thing and be like, Hey, you know, this is r- really great. Uh, this will solve your problem. This will solve your problem. Or tell me how, you know, this brand can make something that'll solve your problem mm-hmm. kind of a deal. Um, so yeah, I think, it, yeah, hypothetically sales. And I think especially I like selling things when my salary doesn't rely on it. When I'm right. helping someone, um, I'm way more, it's way more fun than it's like, if I don't get this sale, like it's you know it affects my salary or whatever um kind of a deal so you're more of an amateur salesman in the sense that you do it for the love of selling not for the the payout yeah yeah and i think too sales has just changed a lot one of my brother-in-laws just started a marketing company um, okay and they do a lot of design for um They'll do everything from your logo to your uh-huh. online marketing to everything in that category. And I think that that's the thing, again, having a wife with Instagram, uh, I don't have, there's so much marketing that goes on online, so much more than I even, um, re- that I ever realized or even imagined. I still think of right. selling as you go, you talk to a customer or you have some good ads that run. And you're good to go as opposed to, no, you're coming up with these ads that just pop up all the time. Well, that's something interesting that you're bringing up there because Aaliyah, who runs Voila Communications um, back in Vancouver, she just totally uh, took down her whole social media online marketing really? um, presence. And I actually sent her an email because I was, I'm just curious what she's doing to get like I don't know if she's stepping back mm-hmm. in terms of running the company or if she has found other ways of uh, marketing voila because I'd be very I'd really like to know how she's getting people to to notice her business if she is doing it without social media because I think there is limited value my experience has been there's very limited value for the person who's on social media. There's great value for the person who's trying to sell stuff or market stuff on social media because they have a captive audience. Sure. But for the person who's actually using social media, they're just being used. So you're saying that social media is good for advertising, Kyle? Yes. Well, that's about the only real use it has. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I think that I maybe came off the wrong way. I'm not trying to be super condescending. If I came off that way, I'm sorry. But it's like... That's the whole, oh man, I don't know how to explain the point of view difference there, but it's like, I agree a hundred percent with you. It's only good for the seller, not for the. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's, that's not like. No, that's exactly the, I think that's exactly the way. That's a great, that's a better way of saying it than I was saying. It's only good for the seller, not for the buyer. Yeah. Yeah. Consumer. And so I'd love 
I don't know. I got a light up toilet seat that the toilet seat that worked pretty good. <laughs> I'd love to hear about ways to uh, market effectively that work outside of social media, especially when it comes to small businesses. If we did turn this podcast into a more of a small business podcast, I'd be very interested in hearing how people have grown their business outside of an online social media presence. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I don't know if it was from Naval's podcast or if it was a different one, but every opportunity that you're looking for, every single one is actually a person. There's a person behind that. Mm-hmm. You don't need a million people to see your post on your knife or whatever. Mm-hmm. You need the person who wants a knife to see it and who has the money and is mm-hmm. is like it's just a person. If you're looking for you don't need to send out a hundred resumes to um get the right job. You need to send one resume to the right person. And it's really, really hard. And so that's why we do these things where we where we send out a lot of something in order to find that right person. Um which reminds me of like there was this book that Karl Marx read in his formative years that almost nobody else read, but it was perfect for him for what he was going to do or something like that. I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can find, remember where I heard that piece of information since I can't remember the piece of information. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I'm, this turned into a podcast about how to do our podcast better. (laughs) I do want to bring it back to what, we asked James a while ago, which was how is he figuring out what he, what he wants to do? So James, you mentioned that you have a second Q2 goal of figuring out what you want (laughs) things to look like. Do you have processes in mind? Do you have ideas of where you'll look for methods for doing this? Because this is something I've been considering and trying to figure out. And Daniel, I'd love to hear your feedback on this too. So uh, processes on how I'm actually determining what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, are you journaling? Do you have a particular way of journaling? Are you meeting with people who are kind of mentors? So I am, yeah, I am not journaling. Um, I do hear a lot about that. I know, I know. And I would probably be more successful if I did. Um and I would say, so there's uh, one of my brother-in-laws started a group this year of young guys in the church who either own their own businesses or are just interested in growing as um, entrepreneurs and as Christians and as just like good, even if you're not an entrepreneur, just being savvy with finances and um and just the opportunities that are in there, as well as being a group of guys who can help build each other up in mm-hmm. um, in Christ and also help our community, whether that's our church community or we hear of someone at our work mm-hmm. who needs help moving, we can all go help move or stuff like that. And so um, that's been a, a topic in a couple of our meetings. We meet about once a once a month and uh, just like, what are our goals for this year? What are what are we actually striving for, and how are we trying to figure this out? So, to answer your question about how how am I actually going about figuring out what I actually how I'm going to determine uh, what I actually want for a business is 
and this is a probably a bad part of my personality, but I I'll usually if I have a conversation with someone or if I'm thinking about something, I'll think about it, get the idea formulated, kind of stick it on a shelf, and then I'll take it down every so often, kind of think about it some more, tweak with it, put it back on the shelf. And then I slowly, just over time, come to a conclusion. And so the current conclusion is um, we've been granted this opportunity because we were looking, I was looking at potentially opening up a side machine shop, but needing to rent a space. Right. With this house that we bought, don't need to rent a space. There's the shop. And so that opens the opportunity for um, the possibility of it being even easier to run this on the side when in the mm. evenings all I have to do is walk out my back door. I don't have to hop in a car and drive 20 minutes or an hour. What is that metaphorical shelf literally? You said you take an idea, you put it on the shelf, take it off the shelf. I know what you're talking about. It it literally it literally is just it. I kind of just put it in the back of my mind. I don't. Okay. You don't actively think about it? I, I feel like some people, they get yeah, I feel like some people, they get really caught up and they're like, no, I need to solve this problem. And uh-huh. I, I cannot rest until I have formulated a hard and fast idea and work through it. And sometimes that takes them one hour. Sometimes that takes them 10 years. And it really is like it. those personalities, I feel like they probably have a lot stronger and more well thought out views. Um, they also might be more stressed out. Potentially. Yeah. Very, very likely, in fact. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, for me, it's literally just, um, yeah, I don't even know how to explain it, but it is, I'm just like, okay, this is where I'm at. I can put a pin in it. I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, which makes me wonder how many things I put pins in and totally forgot about (laughs) and will someday pop up. That's, that's actually, that's actually kind of a good, like heuristic for, is this important? And if it never comes up again, it's probably not that important. Yeah, and if it keeps coming up, that's uh, maybe a signal to you yeah. that hey, this is probably more important. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, to answer your question for me, there's kind of two ways that I would try to find the answer to the questions that James has posed, and neither of them are journaling. <laughs> One is listen, asking for feedback from people. Um, so if I was going to start a machine shop, um. I would I would probably ask you. Well, if you were going to start a business. No, no, no. A machine shop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'd say, hey, David, what do you think? And I hope that he knows me well enough to say, I am not sure about that, Daniel. Oh, I see why you're sticking with machine shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a signal that to me that that's, I need to wait. I need to figure mm-hmm. out something. Something's not quite right. Or I would have confirmation from him. And I wouldn't just ask him. I'd ask other people as well. Right, right. But you'd ask someone who you know really well, who knows you really well, mm-hmm. and yeah. get their feedback. And get their feedback. So that's one way. The other is a method that um, is in Tiny Habits, which is okay. there's, I mean, you basically go through, behave, like you you list out a um, kind of an aspiration. In this case, it's a business, but you could by writing out things that you could do that you would be well suited to, you could start to figure out a different what, like how those would all kind of link up. It would almost, it would almost be like a mind map at that point, but just a, how effective is this? And actually that may be what I end up doing as I potentially transition again for work because I'm tired of the 
churn and burn of construction. And so, but I don't want to go back to accounting if I can help it. So it sounds like the mind map that you described is step one, maybe. Mm, And then the asking for feedback would be step two if you were going to make a process out of it. Once you have an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I think that people, we think we know ourselves pretty well. We think we know what we want, but I think others who we let in, we often give them more information than we intend to, which is fine. It's good to be known, but that's not, I don't know. That's just kind of something I've gathered over, over a period of time. So have you just Googled for mind, how to mind map, or do you have favorite mind map techniques, websites? Ask, asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I would start out, you, you start out with a, probably an axis, an axis of, you've got, I don't know. So you, you start out with, sorry, with a aspiration, whether, whether that's a kind of business or I want to work for myself. Maybe that's an aspiration. You're like, okay, well, how would I do that? And then you start to work through behaviors and you think of behaviors that would be behaviors, whether they're one time constant, like consistent, like once a week or, um, or perhaps even outcomes, right? Uh, that one doesn't work as well. But behaviors. But behaviors. And then once you go through that, you, man, this isn't super fleshed out, but I thought it was. I'm I'm taking something that is from tiny habits and then applying it to starting a business and it's it does work it's just I don't uh, have all the words right now but can you write a blog post that fleshes this out yeah and put it on Socratic habits homework got it <laughs> and can you guy can <laughs> Kyle can you for homework find somebody else for us to interview yes <laughs> <laughs> uh cool well, I think that my bathroom might be done. They worked an hour and a half later than they said they were going to. I think that they, and then my, my wife got home about an hour ago and she's popped in a few times and like, are you available yet? <laughs> I am now, dear. Uh, that's all, That's always a good question to get from your wife. Uh-huh. James, it was really good to have you on. We should do this yeah. again. Guys, total pleasure. I would love to come back again. This was a hoot. And uh, Come yeah. back after you do your mind map. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, after I read that post and get caught up on all the Socratic Hobbit episodes that I haven't followed yet. I would but, just skip to this one. Well, I was going to say, guys, you guys have done a really great job. You've basically given free advertising. So that's the bad part of your job. But you've done advertising for like four different companies already in this one in this one episode. There you yeah, go. Yeah, we true. got that's true. Old Goat Lures, Voila Communications, whatever you your business is called. Well, you've got um, you got the Knife Company. You've got joys, uh, yeah. joys of field, field flowers, but I said that. <laughs> fields of joy flowers. Fields of joy flowers. Like, yeah, you guys, you guys are doing awesome. Yeah. And so you just now need to have those ads succinct and then intersparse them into your conversation where you just do a little cutaway and Daniel's like, are you going to get paid for flowers? Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that too. That would be good too. Yeah. So okay. anyways, guys, well, pleasure. everybody. Take care, y'all. I'm not sure how I leave this thing. Do I just...
Hey guys, it's Daniel again. Thanks for listening to our episode. I'm hoping you haven't noticed, but we changed our feed. If you want to bookmark our new website, it's socratichobbits.substack.com, where our few articles will get posted as well as future episodes. But if everything went perfectly, you won't notice the difference. Thanks again, James, for being on our podcast and Explore for the intro and outro music.